Hello, hello, testing. Looks like it's working. You'll have to excuse me. I'm using my MacBook microphone right now, but I just wanted real quick to let you know what you are about to hear. This is not a new episode of Start the Beat, but rather an old throwback that I am re-uploading because I got a heavy workload this week don't have time to produce a new episode, but this is a really cool conversation with a really cool human being who... I want you all to know. This is an uh, episode from like December 2015. So if you're newer to the podcast and you may not have gone back and checked this one out, and you should hear it because the guest here, Steve LaRussa, is actually the new drummer for the Sykes Band. Yes, that is the first time any sort of public announcement is being made about this. So if you're a fan of the podcast and if you're into any of the music stuff that I do, you'll want to get to know Steve. And this is the first time me and Steve ever actually sat down and had a conversation face to face was when we did this episode of Start the Beat back in 2015. So it's kind of funny because, you know, now he's drumming for me and he's a great guy and it'll be fun to go back and listen through this and, you know, see what things were like then and how things have changed and I think you'll like it. So just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Speaking of Sykes, getting ready to record the new album as well as the new Grey Walker album. And I'm going to do my best to still put out new episodes every week. But from time to time, if I'm in a pinch, I might re-upload an old one because there's plenty of great conversations in the backlog that you might have missed. And that's all I have to say about that. This was originally episode 71 bringing it back for a week this is my conversation from 2015 with steve larusa who also just happens to be the new drummer for the sykes band enjoy hello and welcome to episode 71 of start the beat with sykes i am sykes and this is my podcast now before we get started I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with Harrison Thurman. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. This week, my friend... Steve is on the show. Steve LaRussa? LaRussa? Actually, I don't know how you pronounce Steve's last name. And Steve, I'm sorry, but I, I, it probably doesn't matter that much. Anyways, Steve is someone who I have known for several years, but actually <laughs> kind of a weird trend on the show recently. This is the first conversation I've ever had with Steve in person. We have, uh, you know modern age uh you could be friends with somebody online and you know exchange a lot of different conversations talk about movies you like music you like joke about shit and you know be homies with someone without ever fucking meeting them and that's the case today with steve is that you know i just said this is the first conversation me and steve ever had in person and i've seen his fucking band play I've seen them play multiple times, and I've still never said hi to them. It's just, I don't know. But we fucking fixed it, and you're going to hear it. 
for those of you who don't know Steve, I just mentioned he's in a band. He plays in the band Mace Ballard, plays drums. He's in uh, another project, which I think he talks about on this episode. And he does some other stuff. I don't want to spoil it. I do not want to spoil the fun. That's why we're here. You're going to listen to the conversation. So, yeah. Um, One last thing that I should mention before we get into everything is that we actually recorded this episode inside Black Forge Coffee House. Shout outs to Ashley and Nick. They're the homies for life. If you haven't been to Black Forge Coffee House, go. This is not a paid sponsored advertisement. I genuinely just want people to fucking go to that place because it's the best. Ashley and Nick are great. The coffee's great. They have great snacks and things. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. Just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode inside of the coffee shop during business hours. So you might hear some background noise here and there, but it's not too bad. I just wanna wanted to paint a picture for you. Me and Steve inside the coffee shop drinking iced drinks and talking about the things that we talk about. So, you know, if you're new to this podcast and you're new to me in general, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Sykes. There's also a Facebook page specifically for the podcast. It's Start the Beat with Sykes. If you're listening to this on iTunes or you're, you know, someone who has iTunes, just be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And last, but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can find at epicastnetwork.com. So yeah, sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! Just a casual conversation, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I feel like I know you somehow just because we interact so much yeah. online, but I feel like <laughs> this is like the first time I've talked to you in person. I think it, really? I think it might be. I know, and I've yeah. definitely seen your band play a couple of times, but it's always just like, I should go say hi to that dude. And then like, you're just like doing stuff yeah. and then I get caught up doing stuff and then it just doesn't <laughs> fucking happen. Yeah. It, it, it's one of those things that, yeah, like you said, we've known, I feel like we've known each other for ever. Between bands and different mutual friends, and, yeah, and mutual shit. friends, and and uh, so this is cool. I like this. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm glad you could come and record this episode as I try to lean my arm onto a An surface that isn't there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you're here because you know you do music stuff and all that sort of things. Uh, let's see. I don't know where where would where should we start this at? You know, where would you like to start? I don't know. Let's start. Uh... I wonder what the beginning would be. What, what what would the beginning be? What was like? What was the first thing you ever did? Um, that you were that you could, in general, like not even as a musician. What was the first thing you ever did as a, probably, a person? Probably took took a piss or took a shit. <laughs> which is probably the first thing I did as a musician. Also, is took a piss or took a shit. <laughs> um, you no, play drums, right? I play drums. Okay. Do you play um, anything else? Uh, I've I've played guitar and I've played bass and I've I've played the trumpet the longest. 
Well, that's weird. Not a lot of people know. I played all through. Okay, I started well, in third grade, and I played all through high school. Let's and, talk about trumpet. Was it like a school band thing? Yeah. So when I most people know me as playing drums or working for drummers, and when I the way I got into playing drums was I really wanted to play the drums. My dad is a bass player, so I always grew up with instruments in the house. Okay, but I didn't want to play the guitar. I didn't want to play the bass. I didn't want to play the piano. And we always had like musician's friend magazine in the house because my dad was always buying gear. Not always buying gear, but like, you know, you get them in the mail. And so I'd always look at them, especially when I was in the bathroom as like a six or seven year old. And I'd see, you know, I flipped through the pages and like guitars looked really cool and there was always cool colors. And then you get to the drums and I was always like infatuated by them because there was the most parts and I knew that it was something you could you could hit. So that was yeah. appealing to me. Not knowing much about music other than the fact that you can, on a drum set, you hit things. And on a guitar, you you don't. So that was kind of my reasoning. You'd be like, <laughs> I want to play the drums. And the, and the role in my house was I, I, could, I could play the drums, but I had to play in the school band. So when I was in third grade, you could audition for like the, the music program. Mm-hmm. And it like cost a little bit extra to have like a lesson in the afternoon, like an hour lesson. Then it took the place of like a class. And so I went in and I like tried out on the drum, but it was like just the snare drum. And I remember like picking up these giant sticks and they were cold and like the snare drum was not in tune. The music director didn't really know much about the drums other than how to like teach the charts and stuff. So I remember hitting the first hit on the snare drum and I didn't like the sound of it. And that was it. I was kind of like, nah, I don't know if I want to do the drums anymore. <laughs> Just one hit. So I tried all these it. different instruments okay. and like I tried like saxophones and I tried clarinets and like tried like xylophones and none of that stuff it was all just it just was lame so but i picked trumpet. up a trumpet and and i actually got a sound out of it and i was able to like kind of figure it out okay just by just by screwing around on it and blowing and pressing the keys and so that was the one i was like i think i'm gonna try the trumpet so like i remember the day i got home and i, I was in third grade so i must have been like like seven or eight seven or yeah, eight yeah. and i remember just like my mom was like oh no a trumpet, like <laughs> the loudest, louder than a drum set. And, and, uh, and I remember just like marching up and down the neighborhood, just blowing just noise nice. out of the trumpet, not knowing I, it was, I had the trumpet for less than an hour, maybe if that. <laughs> so, but so I did trumpet lessons all through grade school. And uh, when I was in, I think I want to say sixth or seventh grade, um, I was excelling at the trumpet. And my parents decided if you want to try something else, you can. If you want to try guitar, if you want to try another brass school instrument you can do that and i was i was i kind of came back to like no i think i want to play the drums again not really like knowing music or knowing how to play the drums yeah, never was, seeing a drummer play them before i kind of was, was just say, like, like like were you listening to any music at this point like so you said your dad was in a band <laughs> what kind of stuff was your dad my playing? dad was in he was never really in a band that like oh, he toured just out. he okay. just played the bass and he played we had like a church folk group that was oh, like okay. kind of rocking and he played in that. And then also he he would always play at home. He's a big Beatles fan, but he also is a big like Zeppelin and Black Sabbath okay. and Pink Floyd fan. So like music was always around me when I was a kid growing up. Like and I remember remember hearing songs and there was always something playing in the car, whether it was like shitty B ninety four radio rock or yeah. if it was like the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. So it like, was there, was but playing. you weren't. It was always there, but I never really knew what it yet. was. And I, re- I think the first time that I recognized a song for being a song was being like 
eight, nine years old watching WWF wrestling and like knowing the D Generation X theme and like knowing <laughs> the Stone Cold theme and knowing that those songs had guitar, had bass, had drums, okay. had words and like knowing those words. And I think Weird. honestly, those were like the songs that got me into like music. Okay. And I think a lot of like, and I think that opened a lot of like wonder like, oh, well, this is like, what kind of music is this? Obviously, it's like rock and roll, but like, it's not. Yeah. And, you know, and then also like other wrestlers, like hearing the Undertaker theme and like, what is this? Like kind of gothy organ. I remember being terrified of it. So were so, you like super into wrestling? So I was, yeah, I, I was super into wrestling, <laughs> but that was kind of like those entrance themes in like the early 90s were kind of like the songs that I remember latching onto and like recognizing as being songs. Hearing, you know, obviously hearing songs and hearing music when you're five, six, knowing Christmas music, knowing nursery rhymes, that kind of shit. But like actually being like recognizing a song and, and knowing like that's a song and there's instruments and there's, that's a band playing that yeah. were like those old nineties wrestling themes. And I remember getting, those were like the first CDs I had were those like entrance volume records where it was like the Hulk or like, not the Hulk, like Hulk Hogan and the rock and yeah. stone cold. And so like, so, so backtracking, like my dad played the bass we had a piano in my house but everyone kind of just screwed around on it and then being like eight nine years old playing the trumpet and then loving 90s wrestling and then hearing those those entrance songs then i kind of started like it kind of opened my ears a little bit to be like hearing songs on the radio and like distinguishing whether that's a good song or not like i remember hearing like i'm trying to think like uh, like a bare naked lady song and be like that's a shitty song but then hearing like uh like a rage song on the X and be like, that's a cool song. That's, and for the longest time thinking rage against the machine were the guys that sang the D generation X theme, which they're not, <laughs> but that's, I think, a, I think that's, that's a misconception. A lot of people my age had at the time. And, and that was cool because that kind of opened up like that was wrestling and that was rage against the machine. And then like from there we thought other bands sang and did wrestling other wrestling music, songs. And yeah. it didn't, of course. Um, but like, that was a cool thing. I remember, I always remember like hearing those songs and being like, that's a, so that's a cool rock song. And then wanting to hear more and like the need to hear more kind of started. And that was like a big spark for me, like between the ages of like ten, nine, 10 and like 14 was like really just searching for new music and anything. Like, I mean, I remember being in like fifth, sixth grade and I loved the beastie boys and I loved DMX and ice cube. And like, I really got into like that sort of, late 90s gangster rap which wasn't really gangster rap it was just really vulgar and really brutal and yeah but then also like hearing the bc boys like hello nasty came out in 99 and that was huge like that was that was one of the first times that i remember hearing that and being like whoa this is not this isn't wrestling music this isn't radio music this isn't dmx this is totally different yeah and that kind of opened like another window like all right let's find more of that you like so you like that sound you like the D-Generation X theme. Let's try to find more. And I remember, I have, so I have two older siblings, and they, growing up, they never really, like, they, they were into music, and they, they bought a ton of CDs, but they never, like, we never listened to it in the car. If it was, like, a family trip, we never listened to their music. And I remember, <laughs> they're going to hate me for this, but I remember sneaking into their room, because each of them had a CD binder. Like, my sister had one, my brother had one. And I remember opening those binders whenever they weren't around just to see and like reading band names and looking at what a CD, like looking at the, the booklets and like 
kind of starting to form ideas around what maybe those bands sounded like without ever hearing the music. And like my sister had a lot of, she had a lot of like '90s dance-ish kind of music, like uh, the Vanga Boys. And okay. Like a lot of that kind Aqua. of Aqua. Yeah, she had that stuff. But then she also <laughs> had Real Big Fish, and she also okay. had Less Than Jake, and that was cool. And I remember seeing those band names, and specifically seeing that they had like parental advisory stickers on the on the booklets, and being like, "Oh, well, there's bad words. I need to hear this. Like, okay. I need to hear swear words. This is what I'm into now." And I remember my brother, his CD binder had like. I think he had like Enema the State and he had like Corn and he had Limp Biscuit, but then he also had Social Distortion live at the Roxy. And I okay. was like, okay, I want to hear this. And he also had, he, he didn't, he, he didn't have any, uh, any like other really punk stuff, but he had, um, he had a Rob Zombie tape that I remember seeing the artwork for and being like, this looks scary. I want to hear what this sounds like. This, I bet this sounds like the Undertaker theme. <laughs> you know, like in my mind, kind of putting two and two together. Like this guy has long hair and wearing he's wearing scary makeup. I bet he sounds like the Undertaker. That's not really knowing awesome. the, what the Undertaker, what that means. Like, yeah, scary church music, I guess. So, uh, so like between those ages was where I kind of started like seeking. And again, it wasn't even really hearing the music. It wasn't until later that I was able to like ask them, can I, hey, can I listen to this? Or can I, you know, we got a family computer and I remember like burning, taking their CDs and burning my own copies and like hiding them in my room <laughs> and leaving them blank or maybe writing like, don't listen, Steve's mix, don't listen. But it was like, it was those CDs. Steve's that they had. mix, yeah, yeah, don't yeah, listen. Don't listen. Um, <laughs> and, and, I remember, and I remember that. So that was like a cool thing that I, I wasn't like, it wasn't like someone ever, a lot of people that are into punk music or into music in general always have that store where someone like handed them a record. It was like, listen to this. I never really had that for me. It was like doing that on my own and doing the, doing the, the, the hard research, doing the research and doing the, the, the spy work and definitely sneaking around and trying to, to hear different things. And so, um, I remember like, yeah, I remember burning those CDs and listening to them. And I remember I got a CD player for Christmas one year and headphones, and and I I did that never left my body. Like I had a Sony Walkman CD player and a pair of crappy headphones, and I went to the grocery store with my mom, headphones on. Went to yeah. the wherever had them on, and I skateboarded and I BMX biked a lot when I was a kid. And like I don't know how many pairs of CD like how many pairs of headphones and CD players I went through because I'd constantly falling off the stuff and breaking uh -huh. them and. And I always had like a backpack with CDs and none, no one else my age ever, like in my group of friends when I was in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade had that. They, they heard music because I was playing it. Okay. And, and kind of getting back into like the whole like punk rock thing. I remember, you know, hearing Blink-182, hearing Green Day. I'm like, this is cool. Like, this is a cool thing. This is like another new sound for me. Like punk rock. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I remember the older kids in the neighborhood who skateboarded, one day asked me what I was listening to. And I told them I was listening to Dookie and they were like, Oh, that's, you need to listen to this. And they, they were like, they let me listen to no effects. And I was like, Whoa, this is another window opening up uh -huh. for, for like a 14 year old. And I remember asking them like, I need to hear more bands like this. And they told me like a list. It was like, you know, no effects, lag wagon, the dropkick Murphys, the misfits, uh, no use for a name, Pennywise, bad religion, anti-flag. And, and I remember being like in eighth grade going on field trips and like being on the bus and letting all the kids turning the volume up as loud as my headphones allowed. And we, us just like listening to Dropkick Murphy's and listening to Rancid and being totally blown away by that. And 
And I remember like begging my parents, like, please buy me out, for, please buy me an outcome of the wolves, please buy me. Yeah. Like, I remember like my mom showing up to a baseball game when I was like in sixth or seventh grade and handing me that CD. And I, and I was like, that's all I wanted to do was listen to an outcome of the wolves. Cause that was such a new sound for me hearing Tim Armstrong, hearing Lars Fredrickson, hearing just like raw punk rock, but also that reggae mix. And like, it was such a raw recording. And, and so like, there's, there's not, there's not like one moment in time where someone was like, listen to this song. But there was definitely moments where like after the spy work was done where I kind of knew what I wanted to hear. And, and I definitely like sought after finding that, whether it was like begging my mom to buy me a CD from Best Buy for $15 or like saving allowance money and going to like a Sam Goody. And like be, I knew that if I had like 15 or $16, I could get two CDs. And like there was, there was definitely a period in like seventh and eighth grade where if I had, 20 bucks over the course of like two months, I would go and I'd buy like four CDs. And I remember uh -huh. buying like Rufio and Alkaline Trio and then trying to buy things that I knew maybe were different, like buying get the Get Up Kids and Bad Religion. And like two ends of the punk rock spectrum, but like kind of shaping like what I wanted to listen to and definitely like what I've listened to for the last <laughs> yeah 15 years now. Um, but I, I, I've always like given music a chance like so the older skateboard kids were like listen to this and i was like all right cool fell in love with it but then like older kids were like that were like kind of graffiti kids in my neighborhood in like highland park were like no you need to listen to like wu-tang clan and like i was like all right let me listen to this give this a shot loved it of course so like there was definitely no period where i only listened to one kind of music and it's it's always been like that like through grade school through high school through college like everyone everyone tries to group themselves into one genre of music and like that's their click that's their scene and i've always been like no nah, i don't really want to be a part of that because i like celine dion and i like slayer and sure <laughs> i like pantera and i also like blink 182 so you know it's one of those things where uh i, I never really like found i've never really found what it is about different types of music but like I've, I always have been one of those guys that, like, I just keep my ear open for new things. Well, sure. You know, life is always changing. And every day there's a different mood, a different feeling. You're going to want to listen to something different. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. some days where I could, I could put on an album that I love and I'm just not feeling it. Absolutely. I'm like, I just, I do not want to listen to and out come the wolves today. Yeah, absolutely. But and then like, there's some days where I put it on and I'm like, Fuck, hell yeah, yeah this absolutely. is all i want to listen the to longer that the longer that you go without listening to those foundational like records uh-huh the better they get every time you hear them like there was definitely a period in my life where i listened to like nothing but the misfits nothing but like old afi kind of like horror punk rock kind of stuff and then i was like nah, i don't really want to listen to this stuff anymore and i definitely went like two years maybe without listening to it at all yeah, you know, and listening to other stuff, and and that was like very. That was especially in high school. I remember like every week it was something different. Like, oh yeah, when I got into high school, a lot of the bands that were like, getting getting big on the radio were bands like Hawthorne Heights and Michael Michael Romance and Take Back Sunday, and that was kind of like the general kind of music that all the kids in my high school listened to. But then I remember there was like two or three other kids that were like, no, like fuck that, listen to Dillinger Escape Plan. If yeah, you want to, like listen <laughs> the to every time I kids. die. And so then there was like that group that i was like oh, i want to be friends with these guys i want to listen to like the craziest heaviest loudest things like yeah. if it's not 
Converge or All That Remains or Bleeding Through. I don't want to listen to uh-huh. it. And but then like the next week it was like, oh hey, listen to this. It's it's this new record called College Dropout by this rapper, <laughs> and like that changed everything because now we had not only punk rock and we had like emo like early 2000s emo music but then also crazy math core death core shit and then like the rise of like cool new hip-hop so yeah every day every day every month i mean even down to like multiple times in a day different music has been like oh yeah i'm done Ah." i think whenever i'm at work and i'm just i have like a spotify thing going on at work it's i probably seem like a psychopath with like (laughs) the amount of like changes that i go through when i'm listening to stuff absolutely whatever you know i feel really similar where when i was like 13 14 15 i was skateboarding a bunch i was into like all the like late 90s epitaph era stuff like and then as I got older, I just started listening to more crazier and crazier stuff, you know, like you got into Dillinger and I got into Norma Jean yeah, and like absolutely. all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And then like years down the road, I was like, man, it's been a while since I've listened to The Descendants. Like I probably haven't listened to this band in years and I put it on and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Like how have I not listened what to a, this in so long? The and Descendants, was, especially are one of those bands that I was late to the game with them. I, they were one of those bands when I when I was a young skateboarder kid that like those older kids definitely were like listen you gotta like they always mention the descendants and I never I never heard them until like honestly maybe like five years ago yeah and I and I I remember downloading <laughs> everything sucks and being like whoa what did I miss yeah why did I never listen to this band and like that's the thing the last few years I've, I've started to do is go back and listen to a lot of those bands that I either didn't give a fair chance to or didn't give a chance to at all and and like the last definitely the last year i mean i'm listening to stuff lately from like 2004 2001 2000, like early 2000s music that i just skimmed over there's so for whatever much, reason dude yeah it's nuts there's so much music so much really well known music yeah. out there that it's how do you how can you keep up with it and it, the other end of the spectrum is it makes it really hard being somebody who creates music Who's contributing exactly. to that pile? Absolutely. It's like when you think about the big picture, it's somewhat discouraging. Yeah, at times. One of my favorite like early two thousands bands that I, that not many people know about is Vendetta Red, and they're okay. like, I recognize that awesome, name, but yeah, kind of kind of artsy, screamo, like ish kind of rock band. They weren't really like Hawthorne Heights. They weren't really Census Fail or they Under Oath. They weren't yeah. Under Oath by any means, like any of those bands. Um, they were kind of their own sound. They were kind of like a screamy alkaline trio. The songs were really grim, and the songs had really crazy, violent lyrics. But the music was like, like a Queen-ish kind of sounding, like pop punk, punk okay. rock. Anyway, I, I've they're a band like they have a record called Sisters of the Red Death. That's like a concept record. Came out in like 2004. No one I know has heard it. I know that people heard it because they tour. They were on Warp Tour and things, but like. I hear that record and I'm like, shit, I want to write a record like this. But thinking in terms of 2016, I don't know if a record like that would work. I don't know if maybe it was ahead of its time. You know, yeah, and absolutely. And, and they're a band that I don't really think is playing. I don't think they've played in 10 years other than maybe like a show here and there. Yeah, yeah. It's and, and I'm and it, I wonder, like, did not enough people hear this sound? Was it too ahead of its time or was it not ahead of its time? And it just was the sound that didn't didn't work, you know, Um but they're a great band. Everyone should check them out. I mean, I, <laughs> you, as you know from playing in bands, there's a lot. Most of the time, 
the sound is like the least important factor into whether or not a band is successful or not. There's Ain't so many other <laughs> fucking politics when it comes um, to all of that shit. Yeah, it kills me. Uh, it, it kills me um, being in a band, but also having a job that lets me see and be with ar- and be around so many other kinds of bands because so many bands work hard, but don't work. And so many bands don't work hard at all and they and they work and they work for people and uh i've never like i've never wanted to be in a band that doesn't work hard every band i've ever played in is a band that like thrives and strives on like beating themselves up to make the best product yeah and whether people recognize that or not and and that's the thing like especially in in the years we live in now where music is such an easy thing to create and such an accessible thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know anyone that hasn't written a song (laughs) or recorded a song or been a part of a band. And that's awesome. Like being a kid, I mean, I, I had to literally like beg my friends to buy a guitar, like being a, like being a young kid who played the drums. All I wanted to do is all I wanted to do was be on the warp tour when I was 13 Uh and, and 14. Like that's all I wanted to do is play warp tour. And like, I remember in eighth grade convincing like a few of my friends like you should buy a guitar and you should buy a bass guitar okay and so my younger the, brother the instigator playing, and i went and my younger brother was playing the saxophone in the school band because that was his role like my you know with me he played the saxophone so he could learn how to play the guitar he played the saxophone i remember we learned blitzkrieg bop and we played it like three times at the talent show in a row <laughs> and we all took turns singing but like yeah that was that was in in the er, like the late 90s early 2000s and that was a thing that you had to do back then to get people to want to like play music that weren't around that nowadays you go on craigslist you go on facebook you post hey i want to start a band and in five minutes you're gonna have a million people commenting oh yeah yeah it's such an easy awesome thing to do but you know like working hard at that ramones cover in eighth grade i mean that was like the hardest thing i remember ever doing in my life going and writing a song nowadays or going and starting a band it's so easy it makes you it makes you kind of forget about like those basement days when you're a kid and you're like learning your instruments and you're trying to be awesome at them but you suck so bad and you you have this dream of doing something huge which nowadays when you're when you're in your late teens or 20s playing the warp tour isn't a hard thing to do you just have to be in a band that sounds okay yeah and is willing to tour um so yeah it's just funny that it's just such a funny thing how how when you're when you're attached to music at such a young age you gravitate toward doing something and the order you get the easier it gets but at the same time the order you get the harder it gets because you find that sometimes when things are too easy to do they're they're not as uh fulfilling you don't get the same kind of gratification out of it yeah i mean i think that you got obviously really involved in this world of music that you love. You become more involved in it than a lot of people get to become involved in, you know, like touring, playing in bands, meeting bands, probably meeting bands that you looked up to for oh, absolutely. a long time. Yeah. I mean, and I, uh, I, it's hard. It's hard not to, to fanboy out. <laughs> um, I, I never, I never asked to take pictures with, musicians or bands that i meet i'd rather like shake their hand and ask them how their day is going because i've learned that's a thing that not many people in bands get to do you know you meet you meet joey cape backstage at ride fest and the last thing he wants to do is talk about punk rock he wants to talk about everything but 
punk rock. And yeah. that's the thing that like people people forget, like that's a really cool thing to do is like, hey, I just want to talk to you. I don't want to take a picture. Like I, I know so many people that they just they, they get off at meeting bands and just taking pictures and posting them on Facebook and that's cool. That's a great memory to have, but like think of the other side of that. Well, you know? Yeah, and I think the other thing that's weird with the world right now is people seem to have this fascination with wanting everybody to know what they're doing at the expense of like really like living in the moment that they're sharing with the world. You know, it's like people like watching a concert through a cell phone screen rather than just watching the fucking band. Absolutely. It's like, what are you going to do with this video? When are you ever really going to watch this? Like, Oh, like check this out. I saw this band. Here's a shitty sounding crappy, shaky video of Uh, it. Yeah. With a million filters on it. Yeah. It's such a crazy thing that, that I mean, I'm guilty of it. I go to shows. I definitely definitely. take pictures. I, even when I'm not supposed to, you know, I think (laughs) sneaking and taking pictures of bands. I don't think that it's like, it's, there's like a limit to it. I think that it's just some people are continuously documenting every little thing that they do. And it's weird to me. Yeah. It's definitely weird. Um, but that's just the generation that we're in. It's like, if you, I don't know, like we're both, I might be a couple years older than you, but we say like late twenties ish. And, uh, I mean, when I was in high school, I didn't have a cell phone. Like, we had to do that hard research to find bands. There oh, wasn't, yeah. like, suggested Spotify artists or oh, yeah, related yeah, yeah. YouTube videos that made it, like, easy to find bands. It was, like, there was, there was like, it was a lot harder to find things. And, like, a, you, we, as a result, more value was attached to it, like, more personal value. And now it's just so, like... Somebody can recommend me an album. I could pull it up on my phone, be like, "Oh yeah, I'll check in, that out eventually." In seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can write off a band in minutes just just with how simple technology is nowadays. Just by typing in their name on your phone, pressing enter, pressing play, and if you like what you hear, you listen to it. If you don't like it, you turn it off. And I remember being like, one of my favorite things when I was younger was like getting compilation records because, yeah, it had ten songs you knew. But then it had 20 songs you didn't know. And, and like getting those, especially the Warp Tour compilations, those were awesome because, you know, as as Warp Tour got older in like the mid 2000s, obviously it, it stopped being a punk rock tour. But it started opening really? up to a different. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's still a punk rock tour. Uh, no. <laughs> it, it, stopped, it stopped being a punk rock tour not not at the core of it not at, at, at its ethics but at the just with the bands that were playing um but i remember getting like in 2004 or 2005 like whatever year thursday and under Earth played i was i was pretty stoked that those two bands were playing but i was also really stoked that bad religion and no effects were playing because again i was not interested in one type of music i was down to like yeah see everything i could i was down to go see bedouin sound clash play like a bunch of chill reggae songs when half my band was going to see, like, I don't know, Hello Goodbye. Like, yeah, what yeah, is that, yeah. you know? Um, but so, like, getting those compilations was cool because you could hear so many different kinds of music and so many different kinds of bands where you didn't necessarily get that with, like, the punk Ramas. You didn't really get that with, like, the earlier compilation, like, Warped Tour compilations because it was always the same kind of punk rock band. So, like, definitely, like you, like you said, that was kind of like the Spotify suggested playlist. But, like, that was like you waited all year to get that compilation yeah. just to see what was kind of new and what was kind of out definitely. there and going on. And I think, like, being younger, you also had more time to actually engage with the stuff as well. Whereas now, I feel most of the people I know that listen to music 
when do they really sit down to actually just engage with listening to music? It's yeah. like, oh, well, I'm listening to music in the car. And like, that's great, and it's but a lot it's distracting. Of, uh, especially with the younger people nowadays. And I say younger people, like, being almost 26, I'm a young person by, by all means. But the 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 uh, 15 to 20-year-old crowd, that that five-year span where they're not really interested at least I don't at least it doesn't seem so necessarily in albums anymore where it's a lot of singles mm-hmm. people and, and that's one of like the that's one of the bad things not bad things but that's one of the difficulties with like modern technology in in the music scene is things like Spotify things like iTunes you lose cohesion of a record like I remember getting I remember when bands were making like albums and yeah. of course our fathers and our mothers say oh I remember when like Led Zeppelin 2, that's an album. Uh, Paranoid Black Sabbath, that's an album. There's every song makes sense and the artwork and everything goes together. But like also in the 2000s and in the 90s, bands like Coed and Cambria, bands like Thrice, bands, you know, those kind of bands were making concept records. They had a beginning, they had a middle, they had an end. They had a theme, all the songs. A flow, you know, it place. felt like one cohesive yeah. piece rather than a collection of and, songs. And I think like that kind of, that kind of art form is slowly... It's it's not dying, it's not going away, but it's slowly kind of being lost in the shuffle of like, let's just release a single, let's release well, I think a song, let's release a, a short EP, um, which is great. Every, I mean, my bands I've played in and bands I currently am playing in are doing that because it's a quick way to get people to hear. Oh, sure, a couple of things. The idea, I think that it's a lot of that as a result, more of the business yeah. side of it rather than how people want to engage with it you know it's people right now it's like if you want to keep anybody's attention you got to put out more things faster so it's like is it better to spend a year writing writing a 10 song album or releasing one song every month absolutely see my problem is that i come from the same era that you come from where it's like i want to hear albums yeah so i want to make albums the idea of me just releasing random songs here and there are like it's worthless yeah i still get i still get super stoked on getting a record and like opening it up whether it's oh, a yeah. CD or an album and like looking at the artwork studying the artwork studying the song titles studying the liner notes the lyrics yeah, all, all of that, that stuff yeah. seeing seeing where it was mixed seeing what was mastered seeing what instruments were used like seeing who the the additional musicians or vocalists were like that's the kind of thing that you don't get with singles and uh, and, and it no, makes you it makes you really like it makes you really remember how awesome sure music but is, then it, like, you know you're you have to battle with yourself now well, it's like well if the people that are going to be engaging with your music don't care about that shit then why why spend the time yeah especially if you make especially if you're in a band that makes one style of music um I, i've always i've always liked so many different kinds of music and i've never really ever wanted to play one specific kind of music i guess every band and every kind of music i've ever played comes from a punk rock root or background but um i've always thought it was really cool to write songs that are all kind of different and put out an album that has a cool fast punk song has a slower more melodic song has something with gang vocals has something with like a cool screamy bridge has uh-huh. something with a breakdown you know has something that has like a cool rock and roll like guitar solo um that's always something that i've always thought was cool and that's kind of that again like you said it comes kind of from the idea of like if what you're doing doesn't work for someone because of the way you sound give them some options and and you might you might find something in there like there's definitely bands out there that i i don't necessarily like all of their songs but they have like one or two songs that are really fucking cool like yeah 
Um, especially a lot of the newer bands, like a lot of the the, the bands like um, like Imagine Dragons kind of bands, and like those kind of okay, like kind of electronic rock, but they're not really electronic because they're playing instruments, but they're radio <laughs> ready, polished. Uh huh. You know, um, it's. I mean, that's. <laughs> A fun argument is that I think that the majority of most music that's released now is electronic music. Yeah. Even if it is played with real instruments Absolutely. because of the post-production that's put yeah. on it, turns no it one, into electronic music. No one music. is making music that's strictly mics placed in front of speakers. It, that doesn't not exist. Not on a pop level, not, no. Not on, yeah, anything, and then not even on a level of like, unless you're strictly buying music in a basement at shows, which I'm sure a lot of people still do, I know people that do i sometimes do but unless you only are buying and getting music from one source everything you listen to has a level of computer production and that's i mean i i love production i love hearing a record that has an air to it that has a, a sense of like sonic balance yeah you know, it's it even even a lot of bands that i grew up loving you know you go and listen to those records and it's just like flat dead horrible sounding the everything the bass is in the wrong mix the drums are out of tune the singing you know like yeah there nothing is stereo about it there are some albums that i loved as a teen that i cannot listen to now because of being behind the curtain and obtaining production knowledge it's i I listen to it and i'm just like wow that snare drum sounds awful yeah it sounds sounds like a machine gun no one snare yeah (laughs) like especially in the metal and hardcore world like yeah i have a hard time listening to a lot of like straightforward like kind of beat down hardcore stuff because one it kind of all sounds the same but two the 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 music the the drums and the bass and the guitar i mean it's just like wah, wah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know like it's it's just a thing that when you are like you said are behind the curtain seeing how it's done when like the production levels just they kind of sink oh yeah and it's like you know you're listening to this really overproduced like hardcore sounding stuff that is all like tough and yeah. supposed to sound all big. And it's like, well, this is just like yeah. guys playing their guitars into a laptop yeah. and like, you know, putting <laughs> like so a tough. thing on yeah, it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. not like, uh, I remember seeing like Instagram video or like even maybe like a YouTube video of some hardcore band. And it was like, in the, it was like a studio update. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll see what it is. Their song sounded cool. And then like the drummer was beating on like a rolling kit, but the, you couldn't hear the drum sounds. All you heard was the plastic and the rubber oh, yeah. being hit. And I was like, someone somewhere should someday make a record where all of the drums are just played on a mic'd up roller kit, but you're not hearing any of the drums. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're only hearing the like rubber uh-huh. and the, you know, like the rubber and the plastic. Uh, it makes you think of that South Park episode with guitar hero where like they're playing the solos and all you hear is with the keys <laughs> on the guitar hero. Uh-huh. Guitar. But, but again, that's what, what makes what's like different between someone learning how to play guitar on guitar hero where they're just pressing four colored keys on a plastic guitar i mean like i know kids that are much younger than me but like now play in bands because it's unlike me having to take lessons they they learn about music by playing guitar hero and they were like oh well if i can play these four keys i can play six strings and that's that blows my mind because i mean i had to like i'd actually learn how to play an instrument there was no there was no game to show me how to like play a song i had to like read a book i had to learn notes on a page that sucked i mean i think (laughs) at most guitar hero helps with like basic aesthetics yeah absolutely uh but i I know like and things like i don't know about you but like being a musician when i go and i play guitar hero or i play rock band i can't do it because 
I know that there's more than four well, red, yeah. yellow, blue, I, and green buttons then. You know, I never got in... I was never interested in playing guitar or bass or any stringed instruments. So for me, playing Guitar Hero, if I play guitar, it's not bad. But playing like rock band drums yeah, it's is the fucking worst. impossible. It's because the they're set up in a way that doesn't <laughs> make sense. You know, it's like... This is not the way a drum kit no. looks, <laughs> and it is. It's like the reactions all fucked up. Yeah. Like that kick pedal is never quite it's right. Never, yeah, <laughs> it's n- never synced up with the TV right. And I would, I would love to see a band, much like a band making a record of just the plastic and rubber drum sounds. I'd love to see a live band where the drummer plays the rock band drum kit. If someone could out there figure out how to like modulate that kit into making I'm sounds, sure, I'm that sure would be, it's already happened. That would be kind of. Cool. I guarantee be, you, it's already happened. <laughs> um, so I guess talking about like business and being in bands, being in like a uh, DIY band versus like touring with an established band, which are like two things that you've done. Yeah. Is there anything that like you've like learned or seen on the road? You know, touring with for people that don't know you. I drum tech and I kind of help stage manage for the band Anti Flag. If you've ever heard of them, or or Auntie Flag, if you're listening to this in anywhere but the United States. <laughs> um, and uh, so yeah, I mean, drum teching with Anti Flag. Uh, have I'm sure you've like met a ton of people, talked to people all over the world. Have you been able to like learn anything from those experiences and apply it to like your own bands in a beneficial way back home? Yeah, I think. I think the last, so I've been working for Anti-Flag now for, it'll be about four years. And I think what got me the job, and I could be wrong, but I think what got me the job was members of the band recognizing not just my skill set as being a drummer and being someone who's played in a band, but also someone who's kind of open to learning. And I think that since, since day one, um, every gig is a learning experience. You learn something about how not just how a a show works on stage but also how it works behind the scenes and i think that that's something i mean that is talent and that is not talent but that's that's knowledge and information that unless you unless you're doing it working at a venue or working in a band or working for a band it's knowledge and information that is sometimes kind of hard to come by and i think a lot of bands fail early in their career because they 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 don't learn how the inner workings of it all goes. And for me, I've been really fortunate. Not that the bands I play in are super successful or super huge, but um, I think when I learn, from what I've learned of being on the road, I've definitely put into effect when I'm home. Like even simple things like if we have a proper sound check, take advantage of it, get your mix right, um, t- be patient, Go, you know, don't rush through things. Um, that's something that I've definitely... Uh, enjoyed learning and putting into practice with my own bands when I'm home. Uh, even just simple things like when when I'm when I'm out on the road for two months, learning how to adjust to to a tour, and then coming home and doing like a weekender, it makes the weekenders go so oh, much sure. smooth because you know I'll, I'll we'll do things in advance. Like I remember being in bands younger, or, or even being in. Um, bands that I play now and going out on the road where it was like every day we were looking at where we were going and like every day we were trying to figure out where the venue was where 
in more recent time, we'd go on tour and we'd have, I'd, you know, print out like a tour itinerary. Like these are all the shows. These are the names of the venues. This is how far they are between one and another. These are where gas stations are. These are, you know, if we're staying at someone's house pre-planned, this is where that house is. So even just things like organizational skills, um, taking it from the large scale with anti-flagging and putting it into effect with smaller bands, it's, it's, I mean, it's something that definitely don't take for granted, but something that you keep learning about. Every tour, yeah. every big tour, I learn 10 things or, or more things, 10 or more things that when I come home, I love putting into effect with with my other bands. It's definitely like um, you learn you learn a lot about etiquette on stage and etiquette behind the scenes. How even just how to like when you show up for a show, shaking hands and talking to everyone who's involved and and being just being gracious. Like um, my band Mace Ballard played a show last night at the Altar Bar and and just going in and setting up and meeting the sound guys and. You know, trying to get an idea of what was going to go on on stage through the night, and and I, I mean, if I would have known things like just simple things like load in time, be on time, sound check, you know, you have this time to this time, get the most of it. When I was in younger bands, we'd show up, you know, an hour late. To yeah, load in time, or you know, we'd, it, we'd be on stage, fooling around, hitting practice, you know, essentially having band practice on stage when it really could have been time that we could have been like getting our monitors right or like, or take you know, getting off of stage so the other bands had time to get on and do their thing. Um, yeah, definitely like things I've learned, like I said, like an etiquette and just, uh, just how things work in general. It's something that with touring with anti-flag I've gotten, I've gotten a lot out of. And, uh, and every tour, like I said, is, is a new experience and a new, new thing to learn. There's always something new to learn. I mean, I, I've, I'm, I'm, I work with guys that have been doing it since the two, like two thousands. I've met a lot of techs and a lot of stage managers that have been with bands forever. And, uh, and they, they, they even tell me like, you never stop learning. You know, it's just like any job. If you if you have a job long enough, there's always more things to learn. If you're a mechanic, there's always something new to learn. If you're a doctor, there's yeah. always something new. Especially developing. If you're passionate about it and if you care. Yeah, you I know? mean, I've definitely met techs and I've definitely seen people who work for bands that they 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 think they're a part of the show. Essentially, we're a very big part of the show, but they they live in their eyes. They're they're part of the rock and roll. And they're part of the party that happens backstage where like that's what kind of separates the pros and and and, and the non pros. Yeah, I'm I not guess. gonna call them amateurs, but like definitely worked shows with bands and been on stage with people who who think in their head they uh, are the rock stars when they're sure. not <laughs> they're not you're not you know they're not <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna actually ask about that as well it's another fun like uh sort of like do you like the what the how do i want to word it uh you just seem like you're not really like the party type you seem like you like, you know how to have a good time but you seem like you just have like a good <laughs> head on your shoulders you know and i don't know if i'm accurate in that assumption or i would what be the deal is. i would be lying if i said i didn't like to party for anyone who knows me <laughs> I, I am essentially the life of the party, but I know like there's a right time and I know right the place time for and place it. And yeah. working, I'm forever, forever thankful for working with the band Anti-Flag because um, they don't, they don't party. They have a great time, but they're the most professional, respectful people. I think probably in 
punk rock and and honestly maybe even in music <laughs> I, I don't I've, you always hear horror stories of bands who are just totally disrespectful to the people on stage. I mean, yeah, that blows my bands, mind. Even like, even the most chill, cool, radio friendly bands act can act like dicks. I mean, I'm sure everyone who who was in Pittsburgh when Death Cab for Cutie played watched Ben Gibbard throw his guitar at his guitar tech because it was out of tune. It's are like, you serious? It's like, dude, tune. You can tune a guitar. You're not. You're not. You know. Who are you? I'm sure people are listening. It's like, yeah, it's Ben Gibbard, though. But like at the same time, that that kind of behavior well, it, can it, wait. It till goes you're back to the etiquette. Yeah. Like, do you really want to present yourself as that type of person? Exactly. To the world, especially yeah. people that you know look up to you, that enjoy your music, people that yeah. are a large part of the reason why you know you are standing on that stage right now. I think and, a lot and, of people forget that. Like, how do you, how can you lose sight of that? Yeah. And, I don't and, know. And playing playing music, being being the musician on stage, and being the guy that sets up the show. Um, it, there's not much of a difference. I mean, most of the techs and most techs that I know probably know the songs better than the bands do. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, or at least or at least know know how their performance works. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're seeing so, it from the outside every night. And so, like, again, going back to like. With anti-flag, I'm super thankful that those guys are are as professionally as they are, and of course they've been doing it for so long that they kind of they kind of should be the example for other bands on how to do things. You know, like they 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 preach, they practice what they preach on and off stage. They're they're awesome guys. They're super respectful, but like they there's they're not rock stars. They don't do anything that that I would be like like nothing that I would be like you're a dick or like you're you're think you're more you think you're hot shit like they they have no problem doing what they do yeah you uh, know and I, helping out and that's that's like you know i just see bands and I, I have friends that work for bands where like i just i'm like man i feel for you because not only do you have to take care of loading in setting up the stage making sure the show happens but like you got to babysit like an absolute drunk out of their mind adult you know that <laughs> you know like that fucking that shit blows my mind kind of we were talking about this earlier with people who work hard but it doesn't work and people who don't work and somehow it works for them you know yeah. like uh i work at get hip and my boss has told me stories about you know bands whose albums that they've put out that have just been like drunk messes yeah, and haven't absolutely. done anything and meanwhile it's like i'm here working like 40 plus hours a week to make money to like to, put out my to, own yeah, to, record to just to like work 40 hours just to go like play at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> like, and like sitting here, like packaging up other people's records and stuff. And like, it's like every record I'm putting in a box. I'm like, this should be my record. Exactly. And like, yeah. it's like, what the fuck am I doing wrong? Like, it's like, I just cannot figure this out. You know, it's like, I know the music that I make isn't the best music in the world, but no music is. Yeah. So it's not yeah. that, that yeah. doesn't matter. It's just like, what why isn't somebody being like hey like you're doing a, a good job at what you're doing how about you just chill for a second we'll help you put this album out yeah it, it happens it's, it's definitely like hard work at least for a lot of the hard work that i've put in it's definitely gotten recognized you know I've, I've had i've gotten compliments from other bands from members of other bands yeah like hey man you really pull your weight that's really awesome and like that's that's kind of stuff that's been like more gratifying to me i'd rather I'm not gonna say I'd rather have someone recognize my hard work than like wanting to put music out. Because ultimately, if you play in a band, you work for a band, your goal is to to be successful with your music. 
Uh, that's anyone I know who plays music, that's still their dream in some form or another is to be successful. But like success, I guess, can be measured in different in different forms. So, I mean, if someone is if someone is willing to recognize like that, I can pull my own weight and I know what I'm doing and I'm good at what I'm doing and they just have the common courtesy to say thank you at the end of the day. That's I mean, that's that's what makes me want to do it each oh, definitely. day. Definitely, I think you know, get up in the morning and keep doing it. So, it's you know, I, I I juggle back and forth between. Obviously, I make a lot of this music that I make for myself, like because I want to do it, but also I'm. I'm not releasing it out into the world for myself. Like, yeah. I want people to engage yeah. with this. It costs money to do all these things. Yeah. And <laughs> it costs money to make a record. It costs money to record music. It costs money to go out on tour. I think, and that's something uh, that people who aren't behind the curtain, I think just have no yeah. sight of. And it, it makes it really, really hard right now for us, you know, like with the Grey Walker album, everybody's like, when we were putting it out, it was like, hey, you know, we should sell the CDs for five bucks. I'm like, we have to sell them for ten bucks. Now that's a lot of money for a CD. And I'm like, well, if you factor in how much it costs cost us to, to manufacture yeah, everything and recording and stuff like that, I did the math on it and it was like seven bucks per CD. Yeah. Is like the amount of money that we spent as a band. So we're really only making like three bucks off each CD. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, it shouldn't be about the, the money. And it's like, well, the business end of being in a band is my least favorite part of it. But you there's definitely a good way and a, a, a wrong a, a right and a wrong way to go about handling the business and like working with a band like anti-flag who who are absolutely pulling business i've learned definitely the right way to do things and, and try to avoid the wrong way whether hearing from their experiences or just from just from what's going on yeah. in 2015 2016 uh, you learn what works you learn what doesn't work um and even even with my band Mace Ballard, and I, I also started playing in another band called Young Lungs. Um, we're we're trying to figure out uh, which which end of the business works best. Both two different bands, both um, willing to put in the hard work or are are putting in the hard work. But definitely, like everyone has every every person you work with in a band has a different business model. So like with Mace Ballard, we're really cautious of of um, the shows we play now because we've we've played a lot of shows we've been a band for like four years we're not a household name we'll probably never be a household name but we definitely have gotten notoriety over the years and it goes with our with our practicing of hard work um with young lungs it's kind of different we it's a new band it's kind of it's a fresher kind of start and so we're really like let's put out music let's get people here in this let's do short videos let's do a lot of this stuff on our own without spending the money which is again like a, a thing a practice that's come from working with anti-flag with recording videos on our own and like they've recorded albums on their own yeah and they've they I mean they still print their merch oh it's important in the south side at come yeah. you know like if you they, could they do things at, at a at still at a punk rock diy core and uh and like with mace ballad we still try to record our own music we still try to upkeep our own uh our, our own like social media profiles we still try to do all of that we book our own shows we've, we've never ha worked with a booking agent or a manager at all like yeah you know even like playing festivals like we played puza fest in montreal uh a, a couple years ago that was all self-booked um and then with young lungs now too like trying to get smaller tours and trying to get people to hear the music we're still trying to do everything on our own and, and i think that's in the end of the day that's the only way to do things is like if you're not doing it for yourself by yourself it's it's not 
necessarily worth doing. Yeah. You know? I think that it's really important to be as self-sufficient as you possibly can as a band. Especially now, because nobody knows... I mean, sometimes you don't even know who your demographic is, but nobody knows like what you want to get out of your product more than you do. Yeah. And you just need to push it. You yeah. know, it's I've spent the past this past year like really doing that more than I ever have before. And it's like I'm starting to notice like things are picking up. Yeah. And it's, it's a great feeling. Yeah. When, when you when you can do something by yourself and someone recognizes that there's no better feeling like it's just a great, it's a great feeling. Like I've, I've met smaller bands opening support bands on anti-flag tours and they're like, Hey man, you look familiar. And I'm like, Oh yeah, dude, we like played a show in Buffalo. We played a show at, uh, you know, in Chicago together. Yeah. And they're like, Oh man. Yeah. Like, how, like what's your band? And like, I'll tell them, Oh, may spell like, yeah, dude, of course I know you. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like that's whether they saw it on Spotify or they saw it on Instagram or they, Someone was wearing a shirt. It was probably not a good shirt. It was probably a really <laughs> crappy design. But like someone was maybe saw, saw us, bought a shirt, and wore it, and like mm-hmm. that's a great feeling because like we made those shirts. We got those printed ourselves. We yeah. did the design. You know, like There's... it all kind of comes back at the end of the day to like doing things on your own and getting gratification from that. And also, I think another thing that is important is to not get like too sucked into like the social media thing in terms of like okay, like so. You know, you, just because you post something on Facebook and it gets like 10 little likes doesn't mean that only 10 people saw it. Absolutely. A lot of people are seeing the stuff that you do put out there and they just because they don't interact with it doesn't mean that they're not absorbing it. But it's really easy to forget that and get caught up in thinking like, oh, nobody's seeing my Facebook posts and I better pay money yeah. so people can see what I'm doing. Whereas like I'll be at a show and like people like I was at fucking dinner one night and somebody was like. Excuse, like, excuse me, are you Sykes? I was like, yeah, like, who are you? <laughs> like, this is so weird. And it was like somebody that had bought my album off me, like, online. And it was That's just, awesome. like, super cool. And it's yeah. just like, there's a lot of people are noticing what you're doing. It's just like, you just don't see it. Yeah. I, I mean, wish there was a way to, like, gauge that and be able to keep control of it. But also, that's kind of what's cool about it is that it's just running wild. You're putting yeah. things out there and people are taking it. That's, that's like, kind of going back to, like, how social media and, and technology is such a double-edged sword. Like being being in Mace Ballard, being a small four-piece band from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with only a handful of releases, and we only play you know we play a, a, as many shows as we can a year. But it's usually only ends up being a, you know a handful. Yeah. Um, getting an email from like some kid in Brazil who's like, "Hey, I heard your music on Pandora." I just wanted to say hi. It's like, that's cool. Like mm-hmm. I have never been to Brazil <laughs> yeah. and that's really cool that you're, you know, you, you heard it and you took the time just to be like, just to say, Hey, or thanks or, you know, whatever. And like, we've, we've gotten that a couple times, you know, over the, over the past few years where it's like fans from like Brazil, fans from like South America, fans from yeah. like Italy that are like, come play in Rome. And we're like, we'd love to, it costs us probably $30,000 to get there. Like, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, like that's that's the one really cool thing about social media. But then, like you said, people get upset when you book a show and you get five five out of five hundred people say they're attending, and you you get stressed out about who's going to be at the show. And then you get there, and there's you know ten people there instead of five, which is like all right, there's still only ten people here, and you end up not having a great show or a great experience because you're so stressed about 
who's there. Like rather than like rather than worrying about how many people are in the or in the crowd and how many people aren't at your show, like worry about giving those ten people the best show sure. you can. You know. I think another thing too is a lot of people just don't. That's probably my biggest issue with bands nowadays is people don't push for their shows. It's like everybody is always like, well, like it's nobody says this, but yeah. everybody's thinking like, well, that other band that's playing has fans, so they'll bring people and like, you know, like we'll set this one out. Like, yeah, and, and absolutely. It always fucking happens. And it's not that hard to tell people to come to a show. It's like you, it's like, fuck the Facebook event invite. Yeah, like, yeah, like, Text people, go out, talk to people. When you're out with your friends, say like, "Hey, I'm playing a show. You should come." Yeah, it's most, a, most of the time, if I'm out with somebody and somebody's like, "Hey, I'm playing a show next week," if I don't have anything going on, I'll probably go because they invited me. And yeah, I said, absolutely. Okay, sure, like why not? And, and especially like the older you get, like being in your mid to late twenties, and I guess I mean it doesn't have there's no age limit, but like going out to a show now as a, like an adult means means different things than when you're a kid like when i was a kid going to shows especially going to local shows i mean i was going like strictly to see the band i didn't care who was there i didn't care if i, I took a bus myself into oakland yeah and went to the show you know or, or told my mom hey i'm going to mr smalls tonight Dry, uh-huh. i need to be there at seven o'clock yep <laughs> wait i'll be done at 11 pick me up i know it's school tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> like now being an adult you know like you go to a show and there's people from the community or from other communities where you're just like it's like a great meeting place just to hang out and even like if you're just meet, hanging out and having a few beers downstairs and you can hear the band you know or if you're if you're there just to like say what's up and it's it's just a different it means it means different things when you get older and, and it's like, it, it's really important that if you want to be involved in your scene to be involved in your scene yeah <laughs> like just just play like just playing in a band really isn't enough no, honestly no. it's not and that's a lot of people just aren't interested in doing that and it's like well then why are you in this why are you doing this yeah if you don't want to go out and meet people and support other bands and go to shows that you're not playing like, why I, I know a lot of bands and and i was i was guilty of this for a few years of like not really knowing where you belong in a scene like being sure. in a being in a band like mace ballard for those that maybe never heard us or 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 uh or don't know who we are when we first started or when I first joined the band in 2011, we were definitely in that community of like pop punk bands in Pittsburgh bands, like punchline bands, like the composure bands, like crash city and trophies and before you. And so many of those bands aren't around anymore in four years aren't a band anymore. So in that time where bands were breaking up and like the pop punk scene was kind of, kind of taking shift um, like the Roboto DIY scene was starting to grow in Pittsburgh. And we started playing a lot of those shows in basements at 222 Ormsby, at Roboto, at different houses. Yeah. But we never really fit into that scene either because we sounded different. We, for whatever reason, looked a little different. We, um, we just did things different than those bands. So, like, we never really thought we belonged to a scene like we didn't really belong to the pop punk scene we didn't really belong to like the oh, south sure. side I mean, like we weren't really you're as much as like we love the bands that we those other bands but, like we're not like bands like world's curious police chases we're not like bands like ba- like barons or remainder oh yeah or, dude, dude, you know you know but we love those bands and those are, i mean they're some of our best friends 
so we've always struggled we always struggle with like where do we fit in do we do we fit in with this like kind of polished pop punk scene do we fit in with this like beer drinking bearded punk scene we're certainly not we're certainly not afraid to to be in either of those scenes but which one do we belong to and then over the last like a couple years we've kind of just been like fuck it you can belong to as many scenes as you want you know we have friends i have friends that are in like the turbo yugen like turbo negro yeah biker dudes that think mace ballard's a cool band like i mean that's awesome (laughs) there's no written rule that says you can't you can't be friends with different people and they can't be a fan of your band and you can't support other scenes. I'm like, I mean, I'll go to, I'll go to a basement show. I'll go to, I'll spend 30 bucks and go to stage A or Ultra yeah. Bar. Like, you know, to me, like that's the community. It should, it gets, it gets secularized a lot. Not secularized. It gets, um, it gets separated a lot and segregated. Like people think, Oh, well I play a band that like kind of sounds like newfound glory. I can't ever play a show with a band that sounds like, Dillinger 4 it's like no you well, can that, that's <laughs> just somebody that doesn't love music yeah exactly, and that's that, exactly. that's where it you is because I mean you know, you're, like, you're preaching to the choir as far as not fitting into a scene yeah. like because yeah. with Sykes it's just like I don't fucking fit anywhere at all there is no nobody there's nobody else doing anything close to what I'm doing and I'm not saying that in like a arrogant way it's no just it's like the there, truth there yeah. just isn't. it's the truth so you know it was like well either I just don't play shows or I just play whatever I want. And that's what I've been doing for a long time. Yeah. You and know? that was, that's kind of like, that was kind of the deciding point for like Mace Ballard was like, you know, we're playing a lot of these basement shows or playing a lot of these, these, um, you know, ticketed really well promoted, nice venue shows. And when you, when you get like gratification from both of those scenes, that's when we were like, there's nothing to worry about. People are going to like your music or they're not going to like your music. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they have a back patch on. It doesn't matter if they have, you know, wingtip shoes on. It doesn't matter if they're wearing <laughs> a fucking shirt and tie. It doesn't, you know, like half of the, half of our fans are friends of ours that aren't involved in music at all, but they support us because they're our friends and because like we're making cool music. And sure, like, that's, you know, like that's the best part of it. I've seen you, day, I've you seen know? your band play and you're fun to watch and that's, you know, you're entertaining. People go to shows to be entertained yeah to see good live music and yeah. it's like well if you're just a good live band and you're not dicks people will <laughs> like it even if you know, like even like because like the kind of stuff that you guys do isn't really something that i typically listen to but Me neither. I, <laughs> but i enjoy watching you play because it's like this is a group of talented musicians doing what they do well and this deserves yeah. you know 20 minutes of attention yeah so Why many, not? so many bands over the last i mean five years that have came and went that were super talented. I just think it didn't work for them because they 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 either had an identity crisis or the people in the band didn't didn't get along. Um, I think they, that's a big they factor. They joined to make music, but they they weren't into what they were doing, and that's such a shame because I mean, some of those bands came and went, and they were awesome bands, and they were pretty promising. But at the same time, and I'm saying this with a shitty smile on my face, it made room for the bands that are now still working and still doing their thing. Hey, so survival with the You cut fittest. the fat out and yeah, and you figure out what works and, and that's, that's, uh, that's how a scene goes. And I'm sure that someday Mace Ballard will break up and I'm sure that someday every band I've played in will seem like it was nothing, but like, then there will be a whole new scene of bands that'll be really fucking awesome to go see. And I'll be the grumpy old guy. That's like, I remember when I yeah. was doing that, but, yeah, but yeah. it'll be cool because they'll be doing, they'll be doing what we were doing. I try not to dwell too much on the past or the future, honestly. Like, I mean, I've done so much. Yeah. And it's 
sometimes I think about everything that I've done and all the time that I've spent on albums that essentially mean nothing more than just like now I look back on them and it's like, well, they were learning experiences and, but that's it. You know, nobody Mm -hmm. is listening to these things. I spent months upon months on these things and part of that kills me, but it's like, well, I'm just going to focus on today and what I'm doing now and try to remain being like happy. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, we, Mace Ballard has been working on, on, on a new record for like two years now, but we wanted, we're, we're doing it on our own. We did it on our own and we wanted it to be the best that we ourselves could offer. We wrote so, songs that didn't, didn't work and they didn't fit. And they, you know, of course we've been playing these songs now for like a couple of years, but, but we want those songs. We want that performance to be something that people remember. And we want, we want those songs to be like a really big cool thing so any uh any eta on that or are you still just um, grinding it out it's gonna be released you think 2016 2016 absolutely okay. the art, uh, our artwork is done the songs have been done um it's gonna be really awesome we're, we're working <laughs> on some cool shows cool we're we're um playing the strip district music fest with gray walker we're actually on the same day and same stage ooh, at altar bar so that'll be cool yeah Word. we're only like a, we're only like 12 hours apart or something okay. <laughs> something absurd like that. I think we play in the afternoon and you guys play at like 2 a.m. or something, but yes. but it'll be rad. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a really that's a really cool thing that's happening in the city that uh, in January is um, just a, that's that's like, you know, getting back to what I was saying about not fitting into a community, that's a festival that includes every area of the community. And that's something that needs to happen. That ha- needs to happen more is those kind of shows and those kind of festivals where every area is being reached Definitely. Um, so many people book festivals and book these big shows in Pittsburgh and it only caters to one sound. Um, and, and that's wrong. That's a wrong way to handle a show. I think, I think that if you're going to book a show or a festival and you want it to work, you need to invite as many different groups of people as possible and, and make sure that all of those different voices are heard and being listened to. Um, yeah, yeah, the Mace Ballad record is coming out. It's got artwork. It's really fucking awesome. Um, I can't talk a lot about it because there's some stuff. S- uh, yeah, some stuff. Okay. We'll talk about it after the microphone. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, definitely like in the next two months. Oh, wow. If okay. not, if not sooner. Very cool. I think. Excited to I hear could it. could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then Young Lungs also, another band I play in. Um, we're working on songs. We're playing a ton of shows right now. Um, it's awesome. We actually just played here at Black Forge Coffee House last week. Um, oh yeah, shout outs to Black yeah, Forge shout Coffee out to House. Yeah, Black Forge Coffee House. The best place, I think, right now in Pittsburgh for <laughs> everything. It's the best if you guys aren't here or haven't been here you need to wake up and yeah, get your asses over fucking here idiots yeah <laughs> um but so yeah there's just tons of new music and tons of cool things and everything that is going on in pittsburgh right now is awesome there's so many cool bands that are doing awesome things and there's so many new bands every like month there's someone new whether they've are new to the pittsburgh and they're just trying to carve their way in or they're old heads that are yeah. doing something new i mean i know so many people that are just doing really cool stuff and um the scene is like it's kind of past that that gray point where like everyone's just ready to support each other and and hang out and I think that's what scenes need. Too many scenes in too many cities just like seclude themselves. It's not it's not cool. And Pittsburgh was like that I think for a long time. I'm glad that it's over. Like, yeah, no, I think it's 
I had a, I've been meeting a lot of people recently through Sykes and I'm just like really surprised at the people that are into what I'm doing and yeah. people that are inviting me to play shows. It's just like all over the board as far as genre stuff goes, but it's like, it's really promising to see all of these younger people that are into what I'm doing and into mm -hmm. different things and just like excited about like cool live performances and not being like clicky and having like it all like sad emo show or yeah, an exactly. all like hardcore show just like people wanting to put together fun events yeah i mean I, that would that's how it was when i was a kid i mean i remember going to laga and it would be like a ska band a hardcore band mm -hmm. a punk band a pop punk band uh, an acoustic group and like whether it was a touring package or if it was a local gig and it was like those were the shows that people still in 2016 are talking about. Oh yeah, like, I think because like that's... people still talk about going and seeing like the Berlin Project and Distorted Penguins and <laughs> like opening for Finch. Yeah, like, you know, you know, it's... or they still talk about like Lesson Jake and Alkaline Trio and Anti Flag and Dashboard Confessional uh, show. That's like the, that's the fucking thing. Is just like another thing that's gonna be the last thing I'm gonna, we're gonna wrap up after this is just like what's really cool about like me playing a show with like an indie rock band or something and then throwing on like an electronic act or something is it's like rather than having like a show that all the bands are the same like from the same click and then you have like the same 30 people that come to all those shows if you like combine and you get the 30 people that come for like the indie band and like 30 people that might come to see me it's like oh wow now we have a show with 60 people yeah. and it's different people and people are making new friends and seeing different faces and it makes going to shows interesting a way again experience. because you don't know what you're getting into absolutely you don't know who's going to be there and it's you know maybe that's uncomfortable for some people but yeah. for me i think that it's great i feel like people still have that stigma where it's like oh a show is 15 dollars and there's six bands playing oh i can't do that it's like you realize that that's like less than two dollars a band and mm -hmm. it's sometimes people get afraid of spending that kind of money because they don't know the kind of bands that are playing like I'm again I'm guilty of that like seeing a friend's band on a bill with like five bands I've never heard of and be like eh, I don't really want to go and then like shooting myself in the foot and be like damn I really should have gone to that show because I'm looking at pictures or I'm looking at clips online and mm -hmm. it looks like it was the best time or you miss you miss a band because you're turned off by like their name or whatever like that's so stupid I hate that shit <laughs> uh -huh. I'm in a band with the dumbest name on the entire planet and I <laughs> and but but like that's if you're gonna give our band a shot because you think our music sounds cool that's what matters like that's way cooler than than anything else yeah it's i i like i think for like a good period in like between like 2005 to like 2015 a lot of shows in pittsburgh especially local shows were just like so saturated it was always the same same bands it was always the same style of music at a show and like i think that that didn't work and people recognize that and like you said now like you go to like Lava Lounge on a Thursday night and it's like a punk band, a acoustic group, a electronic yeah. group, and it's like that's what's cool because yeah. you're getting you're getting variety, you're getting new crowds, yeah. and you're getting you're getting like new friends, like you know. Definitely, this year I've pro I've made so many new friends. I've played so many fucking shows with so many different bands. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been wild. It's definitely been like the most productive and fun year that I've had as a musician since I've started doing stuff. Yeah. So I think, I think too, like the last few years being in like with the way that the scene in Pittsburgh and I'm not, not like any specific scene, but like just the overall music scene in Pittsburgh, it's gotten so much more like stress-free, you know, like there were definitely periods where 
things happen where like people were on alert with just different communities and different venues and different people that were involved. But like now that that kind of stuff's disappearing, I think people are just really like out to play. Re- like the bands are just out to play really awesome shows and like reach as many new ears as possible. And the goers, the show goers just want to have fun. Like, let, like lighten up. Yeah. Wake up. It's 2015. We're here, 2016, to, ha- it, we're we're here, here to have fun. Yeah. Like it, it's just, huh? isn't it's, I, it, to uh, any anybody that's in a band or anybody that goes to a show that has like a shitty attitude all the time stop it it's yeah like, why and like if you don't want to be here why are you here yeah and i think that's what's kind of going on like you said like if you don't want to be here don't be here a lot of the older bands that have like a kind of a shitty attitude or are just not the right attitude they're kind of starting to like realize well maybe we need to like call it quits maybe our time yeah. is done and like good yeah i mean it sucks when your favorite band from when your kid breaks up, but like there's so many cool new bands in the Pittsburgh area that are like really kicking ass and making really awesome music. And uh, like, we need to definitely like start making room for those bands because mm-hmm. they're going to be the bands that, that start to make the biggest noise and the most noise. And, uh, and they're, they're the ones in the next couple of years are going to be like the, the ones that are wanting to have fun and wanting to like, do things on their own you know i, I know I, specifically there's a band from pittsburgh called a lovely crisis and those kids fucking roll they are the coolest kids they're the best band and they're they're young they're fresh like they they they're really hard-working kids and the more the people start to like recognize that like we need to make room for those kids like these kids are the they're the future <laughs> like the, the youth is our future and they're not much younger than i am but like you know, they're, they're bands that are going to start getting recognized and like, uh, we got to like, you know, if you're unhappy playing in a band because you you can't draw five or 10 people get on, you know, don't be afraid to get on a show with a band that might be able to draw like 20. Mm-hmm. If you get, if you get five bands, that can each draw 10 people. That's 50 people. That's better than playing in front of no one. So. I don't know, man. I mean, I still like playing in front of no one because <laughs> if you mess up. No one's there to judge you. <laughs> and I mess up all the time. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks for coming here. Yeah, man. To Black Forge Coffee House for this little talk. <laughs> Let's do part two sometime. We got, there's like, I feel like there's a lot more non-music related things to talk about. Yeah, we, we could have. We, we could have probably done a whole podcast on like horror movies and metal bands. Yeah. We should do that sometime. We could have talked more about wrestling too. Yeah. <laughs> Next oh, time. Well. All right. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for doing it. And we're going to stop this right now. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Steve, good dude. Like that guy. Glad we finally got to sit down and talk over some coffee. I would do it again anytime. So, yeah, fuck. It looks like this is the last episode of 2015, doesn't it? Fuck. It's been quite a year. But, you know, we'll be back again next week with another episode, I think. I was thinking about taking January off again. I did that last year, uh, just like a reset button to, uh, you know, stock up. I recorded a bunch of episodes and then came back swinging in February. Uh, I was thinking about doing it. I actually don't have any episodes recorded right now. Might not be the worst idea. I'm not sure. I might schedule something this week and then just do it. Stick with it. We already... We took a lot of breaks this year for things. 
uh, releasing an album, had to take a break, had my fucking shit stolen, had to take a break, moved into a new house, had to take a break. Uh, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't get out as many episodes this year as I wish I would have. Uh, but it's not that bad. I'm about, I think in the first year I, I got about 40 episodes out and this year I got about 30. So 10 short, not too bad. I'm still doing it, doing what I can. I'm blabbing. Anyways, maybe I'll be back next week. I'm not sure yet. We'll figure it out. But anyways, no matter what, I'm Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. It's the last time I get to say that. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.